Hey guys, John Stacy here, your host of Thick, Strong, and Awkward, the podcast. Today I have a special episode with Brittany Diamond. Um, we actually go into quite a bit of stuff, you know, about her competition history and everything, and then we even dive into PEDs and her experience with it. I think it needs to be noted that neither of us are medical professionals of any kind. So none of this is exactly advice of any sort. It's really just her opening up with her experience in it. Um, she'll talk about like what she cycled with, at what time, what drove her to make the decision she did with that, um, the research she did, things along those lines. Um, obviously, we both recommend everybody does their research. This is really just to try and like take out the stigma that's behind a lot of this because we all know it's in this sport. Uh, and it's probably not going anywhere. Neither it shouldn't have to go anywhere necessarily. We just want to make sure that people are making informed research decisions and the best ones that are for them as an athlete. Um, so yeah, like I said, this is just all about Brittany's experience. Um, you know, take it for that. And uh, yeah, um, be smart about your, what you decide to do with your body. And that's all I got to say about that. Here we go. How's Rosie? How's she doing? She's good. Still as skittish as ever. Right, cool. Yep, always. Let me just open up. I was trying to open up a document just so I can look at some of the notes. Hold on, let me just, it's in my Google Drive. Steroid document. <laughs> uh, what did I label it? Physique craft. Reverse diet. So you said you were taking care of some client stuff at 11? Yeah, I just had a call. So I like forgot that it was a different time zone. So I put it wrong on my calendar and then she reminded me. So I apologize. No worries. Yeah, no big deal. How many clients do you have? 30. Okay. That's not too bad. Yeah, no. I try to keep it around there. So it's not. Is it mostly like nutrition or is it like full on prep? What do you? Um, It's mostly strongman competitors. And I have like, I have 20, yeah, 20 competitors and five just nutrition and um four or five five just like people that strength train and want to diet for yeah. like you know that need accountability but i like doing competitors the best that's what i would say yeah. strong man mostly yeah. female i have two males only two so guys okay that's what, that was my next question was how many men to women yeah i only have a couple of men mostly women i think that's just what you know i i'm a woman so i think more people appeal to that yeah Okay, cool. I started, I found all my notes, so we're good to go. Yeah, Rachel's up to, she's got like 75 clients now, but I think only like five of them are dudes. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, so I had started, restarted. I left, I had a brief stunt where I went back to the corporate world in October. So I was talking about it last night. It's only been six months since I've been on my own again, uh -huh. but I'm kind of taking a different approach. I don't want to just do clients because that is so much of you, you know, putting yourself forth and so much time and effort. And I want to leave room for creative outlets and things, you know, so I have time to do podcasts and that's what I go online. I want to start my own as well. So trying to not take on 7,500 clients again. So good for Rachel. <laughs> it's, I mean, it is all encompassing as far as like, she's morning, noon and night, just on her phone, talking to clients and updating plans and listening to, you know, watching videos of like their exercises and everything. So 
Oh yeah, it's, it's a lot. lot. People don't realize that unless they do. People think it's easy and glamorous, and it's like, no, no, no. You're working all the time. <laughs> your life is in someone's hand. You know, you're responsible for someone's well-being. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, what besides uh, training people? What are you like training for yourself? What do you got planned? So right now, I was on kind of a health phase. So after I competed back to back for women's physique in the NPC in September. And then that was my last show. I competed two weeks prior to that to qualify for North Americans. And after that, I was in a plane accident <laughs> two weeks later. So that kind of set off some health issues that I never before experienced. Like we all go through stress, but I didn't want to kind of face what really happened. So I was actually dealing with some PTSD. I can talk about it now. I'm fine. Sure. But I was experiencing a lot of issues. And I think, you know, you're as a female, your body is in such a sensitive place when you diet down and get that lean that it's not healthy. Like everyone knows, you know, any sport at the highest level isn't healthy. But yeah. when you're a competitor and you love it, you do what it takes. So yeah. I think that combined with, you know, such a high stress, I don't know what to call it, tragedy or just event kind of set me off a little bit I was experiencing like just very bad anxiety even depression which is something I've never really experienced before um, my hair was falling out and I wanted to keep training really hard yeah so I backed off a little bit um had to actually kind of start from square one like where I wasn't really even training for two weeks for the first time in my life wow. so I'm healthy now yeah you know we'll talk deeper into that I feel like as we go oh yeah being female I think it's important to touch base on some of that yeah, that's wild. I mean, you make a, you bring up a good topic, uh, kind of a segue is, uh, you know, people look at um, bodybuilding athletes, whether no matter what division you're in, or even in strength sports, you know, like when you're on stage, everybody's like, oh, man, you look so good. You look so, you know, amazing, blah, blah, blah. And that's literally like the least healthy portion of your entire year. And then oh, for, for strongman or whatever, if you have to make weight, I mean, weigh-ins is probably when you look about the best like lean yeah. and water depleted and everything. And that is the worst possible point of your year. Yeah. And that's funny. It's actually what kind of just being around bodybuilders and stuff. But when I cut weight for strongman competitions, that's what gave me the idea to do bodybuilding because I was like, mm -hmm. wow, I look really cool. And this is only from like cutting water. I was like, I wonder what I could do with dieting for a couple of months and cardio. Yeah. So that's kind of what, you know, an unhealthy weight <laughs> weight cut led me to want to try something different. Fair enough. What, uh, when did you get started in strength sports? How old were you? So I started lifting wise. I've always loved lifting. I started really, really young, like middle school. I was a track athlete and I always was fascinated with wanting to improve, get faster so I would study and read different articles. And so I went into the weight room right in seventh grade. So after school, so I was in middle school, mm -hmm. my town is sixth, seventh, eighth or middle school. So I'd go to the high school so that I could practice with the older, more experienced girls for indoor track. And wow. I started going in the, the weight room then. So I was doing it from a performance standpoint, but even at a young age, I was kind of self-conscious that my legs were so big, but I had no upper body. Okay. So I would just mess around, do some dumbbells and stuff. And then in college, I was a rower. So I actually had a strength and conditioning coach in my junior year of college. So okay. the summer of 2013 is when I did my first novice strongman competition. And I would say that's when it all started. 2013 is when I was 
hooked, fascinated, and kind of just knew it was the life and the trajectory for me. That's awesome. The same year I started, so. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, we're the same exact age, so. Oh, you're a little older, right? You hit the big 3-0. 3-0 uh, three weeks ago, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, we talked about that. We're close, so mine, mine's in three weeks, so. We're oh, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> What, uh, and then at what age, what year did you transition into physique? You, you said you kind of segued from strongman after doing a couple of cuts and everything. Yeah, great question. So I attempted, I think I kind of have a cool story with my physique journey. So it was in 2000, let me just, 2021, 2018. It was 2018. I first started a cut and I made it to about a month out and I had, I broke my wrist and I had a couple of surgeries. So then I spent a year rebuilding, getting some symmetry back and then I did it again. And it was really cool because I had got, I'd, you know, see myself so lean and kind of did the process of putting muscle back on, working on my weaknesses, did it again, was ready to go. I was three weeks out and the pandemic hit and all shows were canceled. Mm -hmm. So. I kind of put it on the back burner because I was like, okay, I'll go back to strongman. Like maybe physique just isn't in the cards. And then last summer, I, one day I was cleaning something out. I was actually getting ready to move cross country, which didn't happen. Uh, it will, but I was cleaning some stuff out and I stumbled on my physique suit and I just put it on. And when I put it on, I was like, you know what, if I'm moving cross country, I want to give this a go while I'm in the Northeast because that's where all my bodybuilding friends are. Yeah. I want their support while I do this. So I texted Justin Randall, who was my coach and one of my best friends. And I said like, you know what? I'm getting, I'm getting the bug. Can I do this? And he goes, you know what? Send me some pictures tomorrow. And I was like, okay. And I sent him a show that I kind of wanted to do. And it was in 12 weeks. And he was like, you know what? You stay in shape year round. Let's do it. And I told no one, cause I was like, okay, I've prepped twice. I've shared the journey would take progress pictures. So this time I'm keeping it hush. Third time better be the charm. Like nothing is getting in my way. I need to do this. <laughs> so that's kind of my physique journey. So I guess, I guess it's been like, it was three years in the making. Yeah, that's awesome. It can be tough to like setting, even for strongman or, you know, any um, competitive endeavor. I feel like it's always strange to like let everybody in on that and like tell people like a date and what your plan is and like keeping people updated it can it can motivate you but it can also feel stressful in that facet like when you can't just like you're not just focused in on yourself you know does that make sense what i'm saying oh i 100 agree i like to keep things very private mm -hmm. i do this just for me which is hard because you know i do social media for a living sure <laughs> to some degree. Like it's, it's part of my job so it's hard because at one point, you know, I wasn't going to tell anyone. And then I, I posted a lifting video where I was doing a strict press and I looked at myself and I was like, okay, I do not want random people to think that it is normal to be this lean. Mm -hmm. Like that wouldn't, it wouldn't be healthy. So I was like two weeks out. And, that, and that's when I said like, Hey, didn't want to tell anyone just kind of kept it to myself, but clearly I'm doing a show. <laughs> so yeah, I like just keep things private. I think it just makes it more special. Like, again, I compete because I love it. I don't compete. You know, I feel like that's part of kind of the problem with social media these days. And that's a whole other discussion, but people put so much out there and almost become like, they like the attention and they like where it leads them. And I just do this for myself. Yeah. You know, it's part of, 
part of who I am. So I like to keep things as private as possible. I think it gets asked a lot too anymore is like how many people would continue to lift or compete if Instagram went away? Oh, I would, that's a great question. I would love to know. I often talk about that with, you know, friends and people in the industry too. I'm like, don't you miss? So I was lucky. I started lifting when like people had Instagram, but it wasn't that big. Yeah. And at one, I was at a gym and cell phones really weren't allowed to be used like for anything. Yeah. And then I did start filming my lifts when just for technical purposes and started documenting it literally just for me. It was kind of like I used Instagram as almost like a lifting diary. Yeah. So it's, it's crazy to see what it's evolved into over the past, especially I would say like the last five years, it's kind of gotten a little, you know, there's pros and cons. And again, I feel like that's a whole other podcast topic we could <laughs> yeah, discuss. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, my first like two years on Instagram, there was no lifting videos or anything like that. And now that's like, it's all competition stuff for me, really. It's either competing or my dog. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. We're both obsessed with dogs. I scrolled back one day and like was looking at my first post and it was so funny because it was just like a very filtered picture of seashells that I took. (laughs) Go figure. (laughs) Trying to be an artist. (laughs) (laughs) So when did you, what year did you go pro for strongman? Uh, In March, 2016 at the Arnold. Okay. And then were you on anything? That was a big question I was getting asked. Were you on anything yeah. when you were pro? No, I wasn't. So, and I'm excited to talk about this because I promised once I felt better from mm-hmm. my last kind of like health issues with, you know, post-show and everything, I wanted sure. to talk about this because I don't yeah. think enough females talk about it. There's plenty mm-hmm. of information Definitely out not. there for males. Yeah. So no, that was my goal of mine. So when I first started strength training, like seriously, I would say that was when I graduated college in 2014 that's when I fully committed I had done one novice strongman show but I would say I was diving you know deep in with the training moved to an area so I could train in a strongman gym etc mm-hmm. and I was like if you asked me if I would ever do steroids it was mind-blowing like I, I couldn't believe that that was something people would do yeah you know I was very naive I remember I was at a supplement store one time and someone tried to sell me something and I was like baffled I was like, I would never in a million years do that. And then once I got around it more, like anything, started educating myself, I was like, okay, I can see that. But that was a personal goal of mine was to turn pro without touching steroids. I told myself like, okay, once I can get, obtain that pro card, then I'll I'll think about dabbling with it. But no, I turned pro without using anything, which I think is how it should be. You know, I think you should have years and years and years of training under your belt. Yeah, I think not enough people take the time to build um, a good foundation Cause I mean, you jump on stuff and then you're going to get strong. Of course. I mean, if you're actually training and trying, like most people, you're going to get strong. If you're 90% of people, it's going to do that for you. And then, but are your ligaments going to keep up? Is your, are your joints going to keep up? Is everything, you know, it's, it's kind of a, you have to build that foundation of everything being able to sustain that strength. And if you don't, I think you're, uh, you're headed down a really bad path. Absolutely. And it kind of makes me a little sad that people automatically think, you know, they need to be on something when they first start training. And it's like, that's not the answer they want to hear, but that's the real answer. Like, no, you need to learn how to train consistently, hard, put in the work, learn to eat, recover. You know, I think steroids, if there was like a hierarchy of training, that should be last. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think people don't realize too, like how many people at the top of a lot of sports 
aren't on anything or take very little as well. And don't get me wrong, there are definitely more people that take stuff than don't, but there are people at the top that don't or on our or on very, very little and do exceptionally well still. You know, it's not a it's not a requirement by any means. Absolutely, not at all. You know, we got, uh, I mean, just in the men's side of things, I mean, we got Michael Congdon, who is very outspoken as being natural and uh, he does extremely well. He just won um, the Waco Clash qualifier. He's hopefully going to make the finals this year at the actual Clash. Um, and there's a few other guys. I'm not going to, you know, out anybody on who's on what or whatever, who just recently started. But people have done quite a bit in this sport without anything. Absolutely. And I, again, I think that's important to talk about because the average gym goer or just someone that's looking to get involved with the sport, people are like, I've had client inquiries say like, do I need to do steroids to do this? And I'm like, uh, absolutely not. And you shouldn't be thinking like that ever. Yeah. <laughs> and I turn people away, you know, if that's something that they, I can tell we're not going to be a good fit if they want to be on something and they haven't even been training for five years. It's like, okay, you're looking for a shortcut and I don't want to work with that type of mindset. Sure. Do you work with people that are on stuff though, as far as for like strongman and whatnot? I do, but I do not write anything like that. Like I'm happy to share my experience, mm -hmm. but I think like anything, you just have years and years and years of experience under your belt for that. Yeah. And it's just not my cup of tea. You know, I, I definitely point them in the right direction if they want to go that. But I think like anything, like you need to talk to multiple people and understand and know that it's still a risk. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of coaches. And, yeah, there's plenty of coaches and trainers that we hear about just horror stories of what they're telling their clients to be on, and yeah. uh, it gets pretty fucking wild. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, what when you started? I got asked a lot of what you chose to start with, when, and Absolutely. what made that decision for you. Was it just going pro, or was there a point where you were like, okay, I need this? It was when. So when I turned pro. I was like, okay, I'm going to do a couple pro shows. I think I want to see how much it will help or what it will do. Yeah. And I started researching. I actually have a Google Doc so I can give exacts. Yeah, Let perfect. me pull it up. It's literally, I, I have a, a Google Doc. I have all my preps, what I did for it. And then I have a steroid Google Doc. So, <laughs> okay. Oh, and I'm sorry. I just looked at my notes. I didn't turn pro in 2016. It was March, 2017. Okay. So strongest woman in the world 2017 that was at the olympia in september okay. it was september 15th so oh. i did my first cycle first time i ever took steroids it was on june 1st 2017 i started with five milligrams of anivar and the reason i chose anivar you know very you know i feel like it's the most common one talked about um supposedly the safest mm -hmm. least side effects and at this point in time i wasn't comfortable with it was, it's an oral. So the idea of sticking a needle inside of me kind of freaked me out a little bit. Sure. Even though they can be safer. <laughs> so I started with Anavar and then on, I increased to 10 milligrams 15 days later, or excuse me, 14 days later, I would take it pre-workout and on non-training days, I would take it in the morning. So I stayed, that was my first full cycle, I guess you would say. And it was 10 milligrams of Anavar for one, two, three, four, five, six, six and a half weeks. Okay. And that was just leading into that show. And then you stopped after the show. Yep. So I stopped after the show again, I didn't really know anything about tapering or anything like that. So okay. 
that's what I did. And I'll, I remember again, I'm sure some of this could have been a placebo effect as well. Yeah. But I remember specifically, like, I'm not, I'm not saying I got so much stronger, but my, I remember my knees and my joints, like I would wake up and they weren't cracking as much. And I like the recovery aspect of it. I definitely noticed. I also remember being starving <laughs> all the time. I mean, I was always hungry, but then I was starving and I just had like a harder look to me. Mm-hmm. I gained a lot of weight on it. I think I gained like nine pounds. So I had to do my first real like water cut. And when I got, you know, I was traveling cause it was uh, at the Olympia. So I, I was on the Northeast. So I had to do a long flight to Vegas. And I remember doing my water cut and like looking in the mirror and being really excited by what I looked like. So yeah, that was my first cycle ever you, I've done. You competed middleweight, right? So 180. Correct. Okay. Yes. And then and when uh, I first started, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and that started to fuel your fire for the physique competitions was seeing what you were looking like. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I didn't like strongman was still my main goal. I did a a bunch of pro shows in a row. And, but it was funny when I first started strongman, when I graduated, I remember I was around like 155, 160 Mm -hmm. and there was subdivisions. Unless you were at the Arnold, there were subdivisions of the middleweight women. It was 160, it was 140 to 160 and then 160 to 180. Those were two subdivisions within middleweight weight. And Mm -hmm. you could qualify for Arnold by getting at nationals, you could place in the top, it was either a percentage or top three, I can't recall exactly on either one of those subdivisions and both would qualify for the Arnold. So there was usually six or seven places. So I would cut, I remember I had to cut, my first cut was in 2014 for nationals in Reno. I had to cut like three pounds, you know, it wasn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. To, I didn't do water, but I just, I think I cut carbs for a day or two to make under 160. And then I remember that was the, I put on so much size and muscle just from the way I was training. Cause again, that was the first year I graduated college. So I wasn't rowing anymore. I wasn't doing like four hours of cardio a day, rowing, running all that. I was pretty much just lifting and doing conditioning related to strongman. Mm-hmm. So I put like 20 pounds on within yeah. the nationals was in October of 2014. And I competed at the Arnold March, 2015. So October, November, December, January, February, March, six months. And I put on like 20 pounds. Wow. How much, so how much wind with that first cycle do you feel like was um, like water or maybe placebo effect or how much of it do you really feel was like legitimate, just muscle gained? A lot of it was muscle gain. Cause if I look at pictures, I didn't have much of an upper body still, even though I've been trying to for years, like I, my traps and my back from strongman just kind of, I got all of a sudden I remember, cause I worked a real job at that point. Like none of my shirts would fit. And at this point in time, you know, I was, I was aware of diet. Like I was tracking mm-hmm. to some degree, but I was just trying to eat enough. Like I was always hungry from doing this yeah. type of training. So I would go to the gym. I went to TPS at the time after work, train for like three hours, do extra things. You know, I was young, had a lot of energy mm-hmm. and I would go, I lived across the street from a Chipotle. Okay. So I'd like go to Chipotle, eat as much as the guys, go yeah. home, eat more. Like I was just always eating. <laughs> they had free bagels at work. So oh, I wasn't man. really worried about composition. You know, I always stayed relatively lean. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> then did you, during that time, did you notice any like ill side effects or anything for that first cycle? Or maybe afterwards, did you rebound at all or anything? 
Oh, so I was this weight gain I was talking about. I was natural for this weight gain. Oh, oh, for oh, that's just when you started. I got you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I didn't go in chronological timeline order. Got you. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> yeah, no. So after my first cycle, which was in 2017, no, I didn't notice any any bad side effects. It kind of sucked coming off when I was like, oh, my joints hurt again. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But I promised myself that because I knew girls. Again, I talked to the way I did the research on it. You know, I read articles and stuff. Um, Anavar was originally intended for cancer patients. Mm -hmm. So I read about it, talk to different people, but it's hard. You know, you have to take everything with a grain of salt because it's not like it's been studied extensively for years. Mm -hmm. So I would reach out to different people. I also worked with a homeopathic doctor. He was an acupuncturist and his wife specialized in fertility. And I told him what I was doing and he had helped a few people with different cycles and he was like look like if this is something you want to go down you know I wouldn't I, I don't he didn't want to say it was okay I guess yeah. but he said like you were telling me because you know there's certain things we can do after certain herbs and stuff um and I actually have a list of the herbs he recommended after still let me just find them like natural herbs to like bring levels to normal yeah exactly so I would do <laughs> Angus cactus, one week on, one week off. I would do prime rose oil, 1300 milligrams daily. And I never at this point, you know, like I said, I never had any bad side effects. I always, I never lost my period in my life. Okay. Until my last physique prep. So I always had a regular cycle, um, no bad side effects at all, other than once I stopped my joints hurting again. Sure. And this is a pretty, I mean, I've heard some, I guess I'm, I'm still pretty unfamiliar with what women are running, um, but it seems like a fairly mild or minimal uh, endeavor oh. compared to some of the stuff that I've heard from women. Oh, it's extremely, I, I definitely take a lot of pride on being extremely mild. It was to the point when I told other competitors and stuff what I was doing, they would kind of laugh at me and be like, that's not going to do anything. And I was like, well, it, it is. Yeah. Yeah. You can, so. I mean, results are there. <laughs> Like less is, I mean, I just take for anything, like less is more. And I finally have applied that to even my own training. Yeah. Like less truly is more. <laughs> you mean as far as like your movements and stuff as well, like a little bit less volume? Yeah. Yeah. And again, I don't know if it's because I have years under my belt and experience or what, but it just seems like at my age, you know, almost being 30, it's like I get more results. Even my strength increases when I do less. And mm -hmm. just focus on overall health markers like stress reduction, sleep, quality food, all of that. Like I feel like when I first started training, I can get away. I mean, maybe you can attest to this too, since at the same age, like 10 years ago, I could train my ass off, train events every day if I wanted to, mm -hmm. not sleep or sleep for like five hours and then go out that night, have a couple drinks, go to like an EDM concert and mm -hmm. hit PRs the next morning. Like I cannot do that, nor would I want to do that now. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I'd say five-ish years ago, I was doing, it was maybe four years ago, I was doing drywall in Washington. I'd be up at 2 a.m. going to work. I'd work 12 or 14 hours. I'd get off. I'd take a nap in the car. I'd go to the gym. I'd go have a couple of drinks or whatever. And then I'd go home and I'd sleep maybe four hours, three hours, and I'd do it again. And I was, and I was still getting stronger. I felt awesome. You know, I'd have to nap, of course, but, uh, you know, I had no issues. And now uh, I was still getting stronger training every day. I was going pretty hard in the gym. 
And now I couldn't even think of doing any of that. Like if I don't sleep at least like seven hours, I feel like shit. And then uh, yeah. my volume has definitely gone down. Like I lift three or four days a week, probably now consistently. Yeah. And I'm, I'm starting to get stronger again, but I definitely had to go through a pretty bad, we'll call it a valley of how I yeah. was feeling for a while there because my body just wasn't keeping up. I know. I mean, you saw me, we were just at clash with Anthony and our Airbnb and you guys were going out and I was like, I'm going to eat and go to bed. I was like, I didn't even do anything all day. And I just, I like being on my routine because yeah. <laughs> I knew that remember I was going to go to the two concert. <laughs> oh yeah. I forgot about the concert. Yeah. concert tonight. I know my deadlifts won't be good tomorrow. So mm-hmm. I'm going to be responsible. So yeah. And that's why I didn't try to work out while I was there at all. I knew I was going to get absolutely nothing out of it and it was just going to hurt. <laughs> Well, it's, it's funny because that's when it's, so I have a ton of upcoming travel. Mm-hmm. And when I was in my prime strong woman career days, I worked night shift, started a side business that I worked in the day, would train with absolutely no schedule. Sometimes it was 4 a.m., sometimes it was 10 p.m. And I was all over the country. And I was, this is when I was placing at contests and like, I don't know how I, I, I could. So now, yeah, now if I travel, I usually can't even train for a couple of days. It takes me just like a Honestly, it takes me about a week to like recover. So I don't know how the hell I did that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or if I have like a, a 3 a.m. flight or 4 a.m. flight and I get like four hours of sleep, I feel hungover all day. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it feels like. Yeah. It's miserable. I do not like getting older. Same. And I try not to rely on any stims. Like I've been known yeah. to have a little too much coffee. Mm-hmm. So I try not to rely on that because then, yes, you can perform. But again, then I feel like your recovery you just kind of hit a wall or usually for me, I'll sometimes get sick. If I try to push it too much, I'll get a cold and that just forces mm-hmm. me to stop. So. Yeah. I notice if I, the, every once in a while I'll get caught up and I'll do, you know, a couple energy drinks or a pre-workout or, you know, for a few days too many, I'll push the uh, caffeine tolerance a little bit too hard. And then I start to feel kind of like flu symptoms. Exactly. Yeah. It's pretty like, I don't know if it's adrenal fatigue or whatever it is. I've never looked into it, but it feels awful. <laughs> Yeah, definitely probably a combination of a few things. Yeah. Um, so after that first one and not having any like real bad sides, except, you know, the joint pain when you came off, how long was it before you decided to do another cycle? Yeah, let me look back. <laughs> let me look back at my <laughs> Google Doc. Okay, so that was 2017. And then I did it, I did six cycles total. For every, I did, I always did the same thing. I would do a six week cycle prior to any pro show. So I had done several, um, America's Strongest Woman, um, Strongest Woman in the World, three times, um, Giants Live, all that. And then I always got third. So always got third. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that, you know, obviously I'm a little, uh, upset by that still. It's funny too, but you're third in the whole world. And I'm like, okay, that's, not what I wanted <laughs> so yeah, never the goal yeah but a podium I mean every time a podium is still pretty good yeah I definitely like my trophies and obviously the experience everywhere I've gone mm-hmm. I actually left the country for the first time in my life because of strongman like honestly I'm always very grateful for the sport mm-hmm. because without it I don't think I'd work for myself I don't think I'd be you know even like my best friend my best friend in the world lives in Australia and I met her through competing so I'm really always grateful for everything it's left me. Like, yes, it's taken a toll on my body and I've had some severe injuries, but all worth it. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, 
I think a lot of people think about strongman and think about like, there's no money in it or there's no like nowhere to go with it or anything like that. And it's like, well, it depends on how you look at it. Cause just like any sport, you can use it to kind of catapult other avenues. So. Absolutely. Um, so I had done, I'm just looking here. So I had dabbled. So I always just stuck with Anavar and then my first prep. So physique 2019 was when I started Clemdebaral. And it looks like I did 10 milligrams upon waking starting February 1st. And then two weeks later, I increased it to 20. Glenn's like the bodybuilding, like fat burner, right? Yep, exactly. Um, and so, so technically, clenbuterol isn't even a steroid. Okay. So, but it's a performance enhancing drug. Um, sure. And this time, though, with Anavar, I started right, instead of starting at five, I started right at 10 milligrams. Okay. And what did you notice on that one? With the Clen and the Anavar combined. Mm -hmm. Oh, I felt really, really, really good. I remember like the Clen. So I'm, I have asthma. Mm -hmm. Severe at times. Like I always keep a rescue inhaler on me. Sure. And, you know, it opens everything up. Yeah. That's one of the, you know, Clen, if you look up some of its uses, it's for asthmatic patients. So yeah. I remember I was doing cardio and I was like, no wonder why the NCAA bans this. If I had this in college, I would have surpassed all my, you know, rowing tests. We did, uh, you know, VO2 max tests and a lot of like 2,000 meters, 6,000 meters timed runs. I'm like, this would have been amazing because asthma always kind of held me back. I would always be wheezing, yeah. especially as a rower because you're in moldy conditions and asthma flares up under those conditions. So, no, I felt really good. And I just remember the clen, like, there were some things I didn't like about it. Like it would make me, I'm already a very high energy person mm -hmm. and it would make me like, I would do my cardio and then I'd be like, I remember I'd be talking so fast. Like <laughs> I need to slow down. Um, and then I, my hands would shake a little bit, but no, I mean, I, I really liked it. And I would do that for the whole, uh, the longest, so the longest cycle I ever did was for this past year, uh, like very long. Um, let me open it up. So I did 12 week prep. We started Clen right away. Um, within, within six weeks, I was on 60 milligrams of Clen, two days on, one day off. Anavar, I was actually only on it for three weeks because we decided to cut it because I have the type of body that just puts muscle on and retains water so easily that the Anavar was actually like, from a physique standpoint, hindering me because I was gaining muscle. Oh, wow. And putting out. Yeah, and which obviously in a cut, you don't want to necessarily do that for some yep. man. So we only did it for three weeks. And then I started, so starting 7.30, so July 30th. So that would have meant I was about four weeks out. We started Novadex, uh, 20 milligrams daily in the evening. And Novadex is an anti-estrogen. So I was very, so this was the first time I remember being scared. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to take an anti Because it was just, I was so familiar with Anavar. Yeah. And I knew like nothing would happen. You know, I'd taken Clen three times total at this point and, you know, had no side effects. And it was the Novadex that it being an anti-estrogen just kind of like, was like, okay, this is serious. Like, this isn't something I thought I would ever do, but my coach mm. had a very mild. Like, I remember like kind of getting anxiety and I like was like, are you sure this is okay? And he said, Brett, trust me, this is very mild. You just have to make sure we taper off after. 
and I'll tell you how to do that. And I, I have that written down for how I did that too. Um, okay. So Novadex, I remember four days into it, I woke up and like my back, my lower back, like everything was cracking, okay. but I looked in the mirror and I never seen myself <laughs> look. I mean, at this point, for instance, I was doing so much cardio and my calories were very low. So it's mm -hmm. a combination, you know, it's not like, it's not like any of these drugs are magic. Sure. They help. Yes. But I remember all of a sudden, like, I just felt so good. Like, which was funny because I had talked to other women in the sport and they said like, oh, that'll dry the hell out of you. Your joints aren't going to feel good. And I was like, my joints, my back, like the first couple of days were uncomfortable. They were cracking. And then I remember I had no back pain. So I still am like researching this myself because no one can seem to figure it out or have the same experience as me. But for me, my lower back has always been an issue. I have multiple herniated discs, like probably everyone in Strongman. I guarantee if you get an MRI, you're going to have an L3, L4 herniated disc. Yeah. People get scared of that, but it's really only an issue when it hits the nerve. That's when the severe pain happens. Mm -hmm. So I've always been very mindful of that, been very careful. And I've noticed I even when I'm programming, I will pull back a little bit during the three days before I get my period, because that's when I'm most likely to hurt my back. So with the surge of, yeah, with the surge of different hormones, it definitely impacts it. I do that with clients too. They notice the same thing. Okay. Interesting. So I think, yeah. So Novadex, maybe it being an anti-estrogen, it literally like, it was hard because I'm like, wow, I want to push right now. I know I, I shouldn't be deadlifting. So I did it, but mm -hmm. I was getting like PRs for upper body at like four weeks out. So that is when I lost my period. So I lost my period for the first time with obviously being a combination of the diet, the exercise, as well as the performance enhancing drugs. But yeah. I was happy I lost my period. I mean, it's normal. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a big uh, whirlwind of hormonal changes happening there. Yep. But I wasn't worried because everyone's like, oh, you know, you'll get it back in a few weeks after the show. Sure. And that's when I ran into a little bit of trouble because I didn't. Oh, okay. For is a long that, time and I'm ready. Yeah. How long was that an issue? Six months. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a long time. Yeah. It was a very long time and I'm ready to, I'm ready to talk about it because I promised myself I would talk about it when I was ready. But at first I wasn't because I was in such a bad place yeah. mentally and physically. Mm -hmm. So, all right, let me pull up my, so to taper off. So like I said, the antivirus was three weeks. Clen, we stopped as soon as the show was done. And the Novadex to taper off. Let me find that. Sorry, I want to make sure I get this right. Um, besides the loss of the period, did you have any other adverse effects? Any side effects or anything like that? Yeah, um, I started losing my hair. Like, okay, it started falling out in chunks. Wow. Um, luckily, I have so much hair that no one would notice. Sure. It's still like for me, it was really depressing because right now it's so thin. I would say I have like a quarter of the amount of hair I used to have. It never, it never fell out. Like I never had bald spots, but I would just touch it and it would just like keep falling out. It was nonstop. And this started happening. So two weeks. And again, I'm not saying, and I want to be very clear for people listening. I don't know if this is a result of being that lean, doing that much cardio, dieting, the steroids, or it's not like it's normal you know, again, the female body is in, or any, any body, male or female is in such a sensitive place after a show. Mm -hmm. 
And exactly two weeks later, I was in, you know, a life altering plane incident. And yeah. that's when I started to get all the bad side effects. So it's, you know, I wasn't able to sleep because I was like having bad dreams. Yeah. So it's tough to say if it was a combination of that sure. or what, because even my coach was very puzzled. He's like, that's weird. You should be getting your period back soon. You know, yeah. you did the taper correctly. Um, yeah, I just didn't know. And then I went to go do my blood work and my testosterone was tanked. Like all my health markers were really, really good, but my testosterone was completely tanked. Okay. And also, yeah. So I guess another side effect was I had very low libido and, you know, as a 29 year old woman, that was very odd because yeah. it's just, you know, it, that was mentally that between that and the hair loss, I was like, what's wrong with me? Is this ever going to come back? Sure. And I was, you know, I was reverse dieting correctly. I was adding in more food. I was still training hard. And I wasn't really worried about not having a period until it just kept, I was like, okay. Cause I, at one point it goes four months, no period. And I felt like I was going to get it. And then I didn't. So then I started really, really stressing. Um, I had taken my doctor again. This is what I was so frustrated with why I think it's important to talk about. When I even went to request the blood work, my doctor told me, no, they were like, you don't need this at your age. And I was like, oh no, no, no. I want a full hormone panel. And they said, you don't need that at your age. And I'm like, no, I do. Here's why. Yeah. And literally, so I go to Women Women's, which is a very, one of the best places to go for healthcare in the Northeast. And they literally wrote on my chart, like I was some kind of criminal. They put steroid user on it. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. And they started treating me, you know, I got really angry because it's like, if someone has diabetes or if someone doesn't take care of themselves, they're getting treated like royalty and they were treating me like I was some type of criminal. So I took matters into my own hands. It was tough, but I went to some other place um, that I knew would do my lab. I have a friend who is, owns an, um, who's a doctor on the aesthetic side of things. Mm -hmm. But I was like, look, what's going on? I need a doctor to write me just so I can go get this blood work. Yeah. So, you know, so I would do that. And then he prescribed me DHEA just to help me get my testosterone back up. Okay. So I was on 25 milligrams of DHEA. Then we bumped it to 50 twice a day for like seven weeks. Then I redid my blood work. Oh, and it was fu not funny. But when I also, when I did my blood work, he tested for everything. We also found out that I had mono. Oh, shit. So, so mono is a virus and it can be reactivated at any time in your life. So I had it in college. And, you know, people think it's a kissing disease. And I'll yeah. tell you one thing, I wasn't kissing anyone. So they said it most likely was it got reactivated because I was so run down from prep and the stress and just beating mm -hmm. my body up. Yeah. So on the DHA, my blood work got better within two months. And then I hired um, Andrew Berry because he specializes more in like women's hormones. And we're also on the granite team. And John, it was the most depressing. It worked. And I followed it but I gave him my blood work and he's like, all right, here's what we're going to do. He's like, we are pulling way back. He's like, you're training. He's like, I want your cardio. None. Oh shit. And he's like, I remember he said no squatting or deadlifting for two weeks, three easy gym sessions, like in and out 45 minutes. He bumped up my carbs, lowered my protein. Yeah. Had me on a bunch of different supplements to lower cortisol, inflammation, all of that. And yeah. it was so depressing. Like, because I live alone, work alone. Mm -hmm. And if I don't go to the gym, I don't see people. Sure. So, and then to combine that with like the PTSD I have mm -hmm. from the plane, as well as the mental 
you know, I thought I was tough enough. People talk about women or men or anyone having severe body dysmorphia after the show, as they say, especially your first one's kind of your worst. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that won't affect me. You know, I compete for a different reason other than how I look. I think I'm strong enough mentally and educated enough to know that this won't affect me, but it did, you know, it's the first sport I ever did that. Like you walk off stage and instantly you get worse every single day. Wow. So yeah. Yep. So you see yourself get softer. You see the yeah. scale go up and you don't feel good. You know, you're on such a high when you're competing. Um, so yeah, I had a very, very bad post-show experience, but the protocol worked. Um, I got my period back and my blood work just keeps my blood work. Like, if you look at it now, you're like, it's, it's perfect. Like it's, it's honestly remarkable, very healthy. So what I'm, what I've been doing is I'm only training four days a week. I'm still, I just recently was able to implement some hit cardio just twice a week for 12 minutes, but I, for the first time in my life pulled back and it's been such a good learning experience because I do want to prep again. Yeah. You know, it's funny because a lot of people think, what, why would you want to do it again? But I would say I'm wiser now. I did, being an overall athlete, I made the mistake of pretty much the last five years of staying lean year round. And that's because I come from an endurance background. Mm -hmm. I love cardio. Running was my first love. I love the adrenaline. I love the clarity it provides for me. I love pushing myself. So I'd always stayed pretty lean. And it's because I was doing so much cardio and like, pretty always cognitive of what I was putting in my body eating a lot. But for me, I think I have such a high metabolism. I was burning so much that I wasn't necessarily in a surplus that I should have been. Sure. So now for the first time in my athletic career, we literally stopped doing cardio. Like I'm only allowed to walk <laughs> and we got calories, up, carbs up really high. And it was a very uncomfortable process. Like I would look in the mirror and not like how I looked very obvious that I put size on easily like my arms I didn't measure them but I remember like again I went through the phase nothing fits again oh my god and I'm so heavy but I look back at pictures and I'm 183 right now and I look nothing like I did my body composition compared to strongman so it's like okay I gotta keep that in mind um you know I try not to call myself negative terms like Mm because I want to joke and be like oh yeah I'm fat but every, every, once, once you enter the a physique sport, you're going to have body dysmorphia. Like it is just part of it. So talking to other people about it has certainly helped, but I've done, a, I think I'm now in a healthy place where I kind of just, you know, it sounds corny, but embrace the process. Just like when you're strength training, there's going to be times when you can walk in and hit a weight and it feel easy as hell. Mm-hmm. Two weeks later, for some reason, you go and try to hit the same weight and it feels impossible. So it's kind of the same mindset around a physique sport where some days you're going to embrace it and you're going to love how you look and other days you're just not going to feel good about yourself. So I've been challenging myself to try and like wear shorts to the gym because it is so uncomfortable or even wear tank tops because I just want to wear baggy clothes and not be seen. And, you know, people tell you you look good and you're like, no way. So <laughs> it's been a yeah. process. I enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's quite the journey. And then, I mean, I don't think it's any surprise to anybody, you know, plenty of people go through something traumatic, like a plane crash or less traumatic than that even. And it'll throw off your whole system. You know, you, you get into a, uh, either a depression or you have PTSD or something like that, or a combination and it'll throw off your hormones. It'll throw off your sleep. It'll add, you know, cortisol stress and everything. So that in combination with just coming off of all that stuff, 
after a prep that was that hard on your body. I can only imagine the whirlwind that threw your body into. Yeah, you know, it throws off your whole endocrine system when you go through mm. any type of traumatic event. But for me, I actually come from a pharma medical background. So I was pretty well educated on antidepressants, anti-anxiety, and I knew okay. the effect that SSRIs in particular could have on the body comp. So I started looking at alternate ways. So I went, I, um, again, I'm, I know this podcast kind of all over the place, but That's okay. I ended up uh, going to therapy to work on that because I've been okay. therapy for other stuff before. And then I really started focusing on meditation and making sure I set boundaries with myself with, again, working alone and my only means of communication, sometimes being my cell phone and my computer, I set very clear boundaries with myself. Like I'm not checking work stuff first thing in the morning or at night. I'm giving myself that downtime because I'm, I'm a fighter. I was, I was in fight or flight all the time, like for mm-hmm. months. And I didn't figure out how the hell to get out of it. I wasn't sleeping. So um, <laughs> I joke, I'm like, oh, now I'm high maintenance. It takes me a lot, you know, to make sure I'm always on the right path, but I'm proud of myself for not going down and nothing wrong with medication at all. I just wanted to be able to conquer it. You know, and it, I, I got to a point where I was like, okay, if I can't do it by X date, then I'll try other methodologies. Sure. But I was pretty determined to get my period back and- I knew, like, I knew deep down inside, I didn't want to live a life if I couldn't compete again, because it's such a big part of me. So I was like, I'm going to do what it takes to get there. And unfortunately for me, that meant pulling way back, which was hard. Mm -hmm. Very happy I did. And that's just what it takes sometimes. Not for everyone. Obviously, I don't think most people need to pull back. I was training, you know, I don't think I train... I don't just go through the motions when I'm training. Like I'm giving hundred percent, same thing with cardio, which wasn't the right approach. Like I was a couple weeks out and I was going for runs and trying to compare my times to when I was a runner or and I was comparing my lifts to when I wasn't the peak of strongman. And it's like, okay, I'm too competitive. I need to reel that in and just focus on one goal at a time, not try to execute on multiple goals at once. And that cost me, but I'm proud that I'm on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to, you know, see what I learned and apply it for the next prep because there's no way in hell I'm getting to 1200 calories or doing two hours of cardio again. <laughs> two hours of cardio. Oh my God. Yeah. I think I built up my metabolism enough that that shouldn't be the case. <laughs> yeah, good. That's good. Yeah. And I think yeah. um, it can be like the toughest thing in the world to pull back from, you know, what the one thing that you really want to advance in and realizing that that's probably like one of the biggest factors to what is holding you back at that time. And that's kind of, that's something I ran into too. And I wasn't anywhere near your level on any of these sports, but, you know, I was competing in strongman. I was getting ready for trying to qualify for OSG and, you know, went through a whole bunch of different things, tore my bicep and then wound up having all these different back issues and many other things going on. And uh, it took a long time of like comparing myself to previous lifts and being mad that I wasn't where I was six months ago or a year ago or whatever it was. I'm just getting upset in the gym and depressed and trying to figure out, you know, all these other avenues instead of pulling back. And it took me a long time to figure that out and taking the rest and the time away from the gym and competing and everything and wind up lifting maybe twice a week, honestly, for a while there to where my yeah. body healed and I feel good now. And I'm back on, you know, an upward trajectory lifting wise. And uh, good. It can be hardest, yeah, it can be the hardest thing for an athlete, somebody competitive, you know, like yourself to do that and realize that 
pulling away from it is actually going to kind of catapult you here in the future. Oh yeah. No, I mean, it is beyond hard. Like I remember when I received, you know, my protocol from Andrew and he said, I literally remember like it was yesterday because I texted my mom, my best friend, like no squatting or deadlifting. And I literally was like, if I can't do that, there's honestly no reason to be alive. Like that's, that's where my mindset went. Yeah. And I know that sounds dramatic Yeah. and only some will actually be able to understand that, but you know, like this is, this is what I, I this is my passion. So, mm-hmm. you know, but I got past that because I also, as much as I wanted to hold on to like looking a certain way and stuff, I also wanted to be smart and think long-term and I did like one day I do want kids and I want to be healthy. So, and I don't want to die. <laughs> so um, again, no, that's being a little bit dramatic, but you know, sure. you're going to, you're going to think about that stuff. Like I read an article once, I can't remember what the study was called, but they asked top level Olympians, would you take this if it took, and I can't, don't quote me on this because I can't remember the exact like number of years, mm-hmm. but you could, we, the, the scenario was you would get first place and beat, beat the world record if you take this, however, it's going to take X number of years off your life. Mm-hmm. And something like over 90% of people at that level said they would. So yeah. again, this isn't for the average person, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there's going to be a lot of like general gym goers and people that compete for fun and stuff that are listening or, you know, whatever, and can take this message for what it is. Um, there are a lot of people, like when I tore my bicep, I had very similar thoughts. And it's weird, like when you take something seriously, or like when it's like, you're so passionate about it, those thoughts as dramatic as they can be, and you can even in the moment recognize how dramatic they are, they're still there. Yeah, exactly. And that was one of the reasons, aside from the water cut, that kind of made me want to try physique. I just Mm -hmm. kept getting so beat up and so injured that I thought physique would be quote unquote healthier. And it was (laughs) in some ways, right? It really was. Like Mm -hmm. I I joked with someone once, I'm like, okay, suffer these these injuries and have to have maybe back surgery or more surgeries or suffer hormonally. It's like, okay, pick one. So we'll see, you know, hopefully, and I will say with confidence, if I ever experience hormonal issues like I did during my last show, I will never do it again, but I will not be happy with myself if I don't attempt one more time because I was very happy with the package I brought for a first time Mm -hmm. competitor. And I want to see one of my goals. And again, it's funny for me to put this out publicly because I keep things very private, but one of my goals is to be the first woman in the U.S. to obtain a pro card in both sports. The only other person that's done that in the world is um, Kate Mitchell-Parker over in New Zealand. She's a women's physique pro. Um, she's uh, one of the strongest women in the world. I've competed with her multiple times, and she has powerlifting world records. And I look up to her for that, so that's, that's my goal. So yeah, putting it out there, I'm not willing to risk my health like that. So we'll see what happens. I, yeah. I mean, if I know anybody that I would think could do that, it's definitely you, but that's, uh, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So going to chase that. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a, that's a big, big endeavor, but definitely I think it's obtainable. Um, as long as you obviously, you know, I mean, you're not dumb, you're realistic with like your timelines and how to do things. So exactly not rushing into it. That's why I really have taken the time to, again, it's, I'm in the most uncomfortable stage of my life right now with how I look. So I'm working on more mental things, like to be confident in how I look at all stages. So. Yeah. I mean, that's most, most of us started going to the gym to feel better or to, you know, get stronger and feel better or to look better or whatever it was. And uh, sometimes it does uh, counter, 
be counteractive towards your mental health on certain things when you have rebounds and things like that. But I mean, you stick with it and you uh, adjust mentally as best as you can. Absolutely. That's why, and I'm glad that people, it just seems to be gaining popularity. I don't know if it's a result of COVID where, you know, health professionals and people in the industry are finally talking about the mental aspect of things because it's not something that's often talked about. And like, you need to be in a good place, mentally sound to be competing. If you're not, you shouldn't be dabbling with any of this, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of this stuff, it messes with your hormones, which messes with your um, brain chemistry. I mean, quite a bit. Exactly. Yeah. What, uh, so you said you only ever did Anavar and then Clen? You didn't do any? Anavar, Clen, Okay. Anovadex. Um, I am going to try HGH, which I'm really excited about. I'm going to try that soon. Uh, okay. Very low, low dose. I'm doing it. I struggle with sleep and I'm hoping it helps with that. Obviously there's other benefits like hair, mm-hmm. skin, fat loss too. So I am going to dabble with that soon. Okay. What is that uh, specifically to move forward in physique competitions? Um, just, just overall, I want to see, again, I don't know how long I'll be on it for. Sure. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna get it and see, I don't know what the dose is yet. It'll be very low, but yes, it's for both like overall the strength athlete and physique sports. I do plan to compete in strength sports again too. It's just, sure. I'm kind of on, this. I want to stay clear and not let all my goals Again, I'm trying to just stick with one right mm-hmm. now. So I, I will. One of my goals too is to be the oldest person to compete in strong women. So okay, you got a long time before you I'll got to about that though. <laughs> oh yeah, so I'll definitely be back. Like I'm always like I never not do events, and I always make sure that I stay stay within. Like I look at my competitors, and I want to be like pretty much right there with them as far as strength levels. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's a good way to do it without getting into the really competitive side of actually competing and hurting yourself while you're trying to lean and all this other stuff, but having, you know, people can muddy their goals by having too many things on the table. Exactly. And I think that happens. So I hate to do this. Um, this is a live podcast, but I hear someone banging at my door. Do we pause it? <laughs> oh, yeah, you're good. Yeah, yeah. No worries. All right. I'll be right back. Apartment building. So they, I had to sign for something. This meeting is being recorded. Oh yeah. Did you have a, was a package or something? Yeah. That'll happen. Um, so let me see what I had another question from the. What? So obviously, you, you know, I don't expect you to say anybody's name or anything. I don't want to do any of that. But um, as far as people that you know that have run things, what are some of the more like wild, like outrageous things you've heard of like strong women jumping on yep i've heard of a lot of people on test um primo is pretty popular i also heard that uh primo is something that i feel like i would be comfortable with at this point too um but again i don't i don't know yet i'll see you know what andrew says mm-hmm. um i've heard a lot i've heard of very very high doses of anavar like people when i was talking to other fellow competitors they're like five milligrams like that's not going to do anything and they've been on they say they take they they take like what i take as like a maintenance dose almost year round and they bump up to like 30 to 50. wow yeah so that was kind of what i've heard um sure. yeah a lot of tests i've even heard of women that i competed with on trend <laughs> 
I've I've heard that from a couple of folks and I've never had it like confirmed whether the people that I've heard are on that are or not, but that sounds pretty wild for a female. Yeah. So I'm not sure about that. I mean, I know, um, I know what that has done to some male competitors <laughs> side effect wise and whatnot. So I can really only imagine. Yeah. I've always, again, I've always been very concerned. Like I want to maintain utmost, you know, my feminine, you know, that's some of the questions I've had, like, has anything ever happened, you know, as far as voice or sure. you know, come out and say, people mm-hmm. ask me if it's affected, like, you know, my, my parts and it hasn't. So yeah. no, it's not. <laughs> obviously that is something that I care about. So is that something that you have, I guess it's going to be more like hearsay or whatever. How many do you, is that something that you've heard about being an issue with a lot of other female competitors? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, not super. I mean, there's, there's bad side effects on either gender really though. I mean, you get guys losing their hair, you get back acne, you get all kinds of other things going on. Um, it's, it's not, obviously this isn't like the healthiest sport or thing to jump in. So, yeah, a lot of people actually, I remember when people, you know, that's just how it is. Like people want an excuse, jealous people. Like when I was young and first started, they're like, oh, she must be on a lot of steroids because she has bad acne. And that wasn't the case. I've just always had bad acne. And actually it's funny when I went on steroids, I don't know if it's because I cleaned up my diet and all that. My skin never looked better in my life. So (laughs) go figure yeah interesting yeah yep yeah I mean that's, there's a, that's definitely an acne issue with the uh some male competitors as well but I think some guys like when you just work out all the time a lot of these guys a lot of guys that love strongman and compete in strongman you know work jobs where they're sweating their ass off all day anyway and it's not you know the cleanest sport in the world so I don't know how much of that is actually drugs and how much of it is just yeah, personal hygiene. <laughs> yeah, yeah the people exactly. or the people that are in it you know who knows it's uh like I, I think the most important for this and I don't want anyone listening to say like oh well Brittany did this so I'm gonna do that it's like no everybody truly is different so I think you know I take my own notes as you can see like I was reading them off for everything I do whether that be diet drugs supplements sleep quality stress level etc I take notes because no one's gonna look out for you like yourself and it's a personal responsibility you have no one to blame you know, I, I see like we were dabbling, like we were talking earlier, like some people's coaches tell them to do this mm-hmm. and it's their fault. So at the end of the day, like you're the one willing to do that. So it's your responsibility to do your research on what you're yeah. doing to your body. So. I think more coaches too, though, need to recognize that they have no business. You know, they're not doctors and they don't really have business. Like you can, you can make suggestions all day long but you should not be telling your people necessarily what to take without them like making sure that they're doing their research. Because I mean, again, like you're saying, you're responsible for your body. And uh, you know, a lot of people jump with the more is better approach. And a lot of coaches jump with the more is better approach or focus just on, you know, Hey, you want to win this, right. Instead of like looking at the longevity of what you're going to do to your body and your hormones jumping into this sport, especially as a female, because these are going to be harsher on you. And I think too, again, to, to relate back to the beginning of our conversation, we were talking about social media as a whole, mm. even people that aren't competitors, like quote unquote, just like fitness influencers are dabbling. Like I heard a story about someone I knew and they were just going to hop on 30 milligrams of antibody to get ready for a photo shoot while they were partying. And I'm like, oh, RIP liver enzymes. <laughs> yeah, wow. 
Yeah, that's true. Too. I mean, a lot of folks will just use it as a shortcut around, you know, they don't want to work on their nutrition or they don't want to stop drinking or whatever it is, prepping for something or maybe not even prepping. Maybe they're just doing it for lifestyle nonsense. I mean, yeah, it's not magic and it's definitely not something to take lightly. So, yeah, I mean, like neither of us are doctors. We're not recommending anybody take this or do what you did. You're just, you know, you started with very little you did your research, you made sure, you know, what you were doing and you were documenting it along the way to make sure that you knew what went wrong, if anything did. Yeah. And I think most important, and again, I've said this, but I just want people to really understand. I didn't do my first cycle until 2017. At this point, I'm 26 years old. I've been strength training for almost a decade. I've been an athlete for 15 years. And I was also at the highest level. Mm -hmm. So I just think that's important to point out because mm -hmm. I don't, again, I think people hop on it way too soon. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what, did you have any other questions you were getting asked specifically? Besides I mean, the general side effects ones, that's, I, I just got loads. Yeah, of I got a ton of side effect ones and then I saved, oh, let's get a screenshot. Yeah, the rest were just kind of like bogus questions. <laughs> yeah, a lot of that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, do you prefer bulking or ripped? But that was kind of a good question. Okay, yeah. Um, so like I, I've touched on, I, I'm embracing both. I, so I prior to competing in a sport where I was judged for what I aesthetically looked like, I always did a very good job of owning what I looked like. And I was proud to be, you know, 180 pounds. And I tried to educate women that the scale is BS. Mm -hmm. And I love, I loved, you know, being muscular. And it wasn't until after that I was like, when I started, I used the adjective soft because when you're in physique prep, you know, you're so hard, you have veins popping out everywhere. You're very vascular. And almost every day you're like, oh, more vein, you know, more striation. Like it gets very addicting. So I would just say recently, I'm finally at a place like, and I had to force myself to do it. Like I had to force myself to wear shorts and be very uncomfortable. And now I have like two separate, two separate areas in my closet for when I'm lean <laughs> and for when I'm regular. And that seems to help because yeah. So I guess overall I prefer, I prefer somewhat in the middle. Um, I, the contest prep look itself is cool, but like then I look at my face and I'm like, oh wow, I look like I'm like 40 years old. So I kind of like look about a month before or after the show because you still have a little bit of fat in your face. You know, you look generally healthy, quote healthy, unquote. Yeah. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but I like, I, I don't know. I kind of also like having a butt. I always joke, I'm like ass or abs. Like you can't, for me, I can't have both. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably pretty common with uh, women's physique and figure and whatnot. Once you start dieting, yeah. it changes, changes things quite a bit. Yeah, that's the, that's how I know I'm losing weight. Like for all my pants, like don't like I can't stay up so mm. before anything. <laughs> yeah, and then that diet phase, like you're saying, like right right before the show, it's it, it gets pretty brutal for a lot of people. You don't even notice you have it until mm -hmm. your friends start, you know. Or I I was looking back at like pictures and I was like, oh my god, I look like a skeleton with eyelashes. <laughs> <laughs> And then, so it sounds like when you're bulking though, you don't use anything. You really only use it like for your six week for cutting purposes, really. Yeah. So, uh, and again, that's a, I want to, I want to stay with that. Um, that's just something I feel strongly about. And I know it's 
again, I know people don't agree with me on this, but that's why I'm going to, I'm willing to try the HGH and I'm, I'm really excited to try HGH because that'll be mm -hmm. the first thing I ever did not prepping for something like, well, I, I guess I am like prepping for something long-term wise, but at the immediate moment, no. So that'll be the first time I touch anything without like having a contest date. So I'm really excited to see what it does. And I'm really hoping I was talking about this last night, my biggest weakness as an athlete and person has always been sleep. I've always struggled with sleep since I was young. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if it's a combination of anxiety or just maybe I don't need as much sleep as the average person, but like, I have, like, I know that my body will grow, respond. I'll be leaner if I can sleep a little more. So that's one of the benefits that I'm really looking forward to seeing how that works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know just adding a couple hours of sleep and I'm, you know, not on HGH made a big difference as far as my recovery and everything. So I can only imagine with the like added benefit of the better sleep you would get on it and what that could do. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess stay tuned. <laughs> Should be starting in a few weeks. <laughs> and then I think, I think it's important too to note that like this stuff, I guess we haven't really said it like outright is like this stuff is a tool. You yeah. Know? So use it accordingly. Like you use it for your cuts because you put on muscle easy enough your concern is really just, you know, staying, getting the lean portion of it, right? Whereas there are people in, you know, bodybuilding specifically that don't maybe pack it on as well, but can get that lean easier. And so they use, you know, heavy stuff when they're in an off season. And yeah. then, you know, recognizing like what you need it for and not like running it year round necessarily super hardcore, like a lot of people do in strength sports. Cause I hear some wild, um, filler cycles or bridges between comps that people are staying on that are mind-blowing yeah and again I, i'm not well educated enough on that to to say anything about other people's cycles but sure. i hear some people i just i think it's i think it's kind of insane because again it's, it is a tool um it, something else i just i'm like flabbergasted when people are running this stuff but they're missing meals and not eating it's like, well, what is the point? You should do everything you can that's well, well within your control, like your training, your rest, prioritizing sleep, you know, healthy, healthy relationships, like all of that matters. Mm -hmm. And I think that, like I said, like the hierarchy of need when it comes to training, like you should be doing all of that. Mm -hmm. And then the gear can take you to the next level, but absolutely not under any circumstance do I think that you should not be on diet, not be on a solid training program and just running gear. Like that to me is just irresponsible. Mm -hmm. And yeah, stupid. It's a tool to be used in addition to all those things, right? Not instead of. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I think I'll even forget that. Yeah. I think. Or my uh, favorite is to do that if I was on steroids. Yeah. That gets thrown around plenty. Yeah. In yeah. All, all facets of sports, I think that gets thrown around plenty. Yeah. 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 A lot of people don't realize the the work and effort like pro athletes of any sport are putting into every other little minute of their day to be at that level versus the 30 seconds once a week that they're, you know, injecting something to help them recover. Cause that's really all it is, is recovery. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, one thing I totally forgot to mention too. Um, it's a peptide. When I broke my wrist, I did inject my first time I ever injected anything directly in my wrist, MK677, which is a peptide. Okay. Um, you know, again, not a ton of research on it, but there is some. 
that's used to accelerate healing. And it, I mean, I feel like it worked pretty well because I did a powerlifting meet six months later when they said like, I wouldn't be able to potentially ever use my hand again. So that's just something again, peptide, I feel it falls under a PD. So yeah, just something to mention. Um, yeah. I've heard yeah. a lot of folks using um, that and then like TB 500, a similar peptide to do, you know, various other, whether they had surgery or torn muscle or whatever it is and having great results from it. Yeah. So I just wanted to mention that too. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you being so open about all that. Yeah, no problem at all. I wish more people would. Like, I don't understand why it's such a taboo topic. I, mean, I do understand why it's a taboo topic, but. I think though, if it, if it wasn't. Yeah. I think if it wasn't and more people talked about it and we're able to, you know, do the actual read, like you said multiple times, like it's not, none of this stuff is really well, I mean, it's research, but it's not like well documented, believable, like noted research where people can go to it and know that this is like, this is what it does. Like it's all a bunch of nonsense you find online or you're hearing bro talk at the gym or your coaches telling you like, this is what it does. And you don't know how legit their information is where you can actually make a really well-informed decision for yourself on what to use, how much yeah. to use all of that. That's why I wanted to talk about it. Cause the, the bro discussion, as you said, like, the, like I said, I was at a supplement store that I will not name when I was just graduate college, 22 years old, and somebody working there tried to say like, do you want some of this? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I just couldn't, because there's people that would say yes. And that yeah. was just mind blowing to me. I mean, there was a time when you could get Anadrol on certain supplement shelves. I mean, it was pretty, it's pretty wild, you know, and I, you know, I was well before I ever even knew what any of this stuff was, but finding out like when I was in high school, like you could get that stuff on, you know, a GNC shelf. Yeah, I know. I know they took all that away and like started actually regulating it for the most part. But that's wild to think about, you know. No, I know it really is. So. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean that's all the questions I have for you. I really appreciate you taking the time and being so candid with me on all this. Absolutely, thank you for having me. Yeah, maybe we'll have to do another one after you jump on some GH and see where you're at with that and how things are yeah. going. Yeah, yeah. I'll see you in a couple of weeks too at Clash. Oh, yep, right? yep. I'll see you there. Yeah, Hilton Head. Yep, I'm excited. I'm actually going to Washington first and then okay. from Washington flying there. So what are you doing in Washington? Oh um, lives there. that's right. Yeah, I keep forgetting yeah. about him. Yeah, that's exciting. Yep. When's the last time you guys? Oh, he was you guys were just somewhere together, weren't you? Yep. With uh Taylor. I remember seeing Taylor's posts with everybody hanging out. Mm -hmm. Yep. And awesome. again, it's cool because he he openly you know, that's why I really liked him so much because he's so open and honest. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll probably, we'll do some things together as well. Sure. Yeah, that's exciting. So, I'm excited for you guys to meet. I'll introduce you. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited too. He's going to, oh, he's going to be there? Yep. Oh, sweet. Okay. Because um, Jody is going to be there as well. Oh, awesome. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, you said you were looking at maybe starting a podcast of your own. Would you have a date on that? Um, I don't have a date because I'm, I'm, you know, how life is. Yeah. But I just that one. Yeah, I think Ben and I should do one together. So by the end, I think I said to him by the end of the year. Okay. So I might yeah. have to pick your brain offline about some like sure. how to get started and all that. So I, yeah. I think like anything you just get started. Yeah, I think with uh, the stuff you guys would have the experience you guys would have to share and you know, the following you guys both already have, I think that'd be huge. Yeah. So yeah. I'll pick your brain because you're really good with all that stuff. Trying to be trying to be still learning. Hey, that's all, that's all I got to do. Everything, everything's a learning process. So Absolutely. awesome. So I will see you in a few weeks and I'll talk to you soon. Um, let me know when this is published and everything and I'll push it out. Sure.
Awesome. Thank right. you, John. Yeah, Bye. Bye.